Welcome to the Get Connected Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Agar, but we have a great show today. We're going to be talking about chip again. You might have noticed that there's some shortages in certain things like video cards and consumer electronics products like Sony Playstations. Well, that's going to even happen with cars now because they can't make enough chips to supply all of them. We'll also be talking about charging costs for EVs. How much money do you actually save over gas? Well, we're going to let you know. Well, it's now time to get connected. And it uh, basically all comes down to supply and demand. We'll be talking with Melissa Chi. Uh, she is president and CEO of Venture Lab uh, out of uh, Ontario and how they're trying to help Canadian companies become more competitive so that we can actually make our own chips here in our country. We'll also be talking about charging costs. John and I have been uh, running some electric cars, electric vehicles uh, for a while now. And we will talk about some of uh, the costs involved. We've got, got a good run rate going. And I was actually surprised at how much it cost me to charge my Tesla. And, and you've got some great insights on that uh, as well. Uh, let's talk about some of the news, John. One of the big stories since past week, I think, would have to be Tidal. And I don't know if everyone's heard of Tidal. You've heard of music subscriptions, music streaming services like Apple Music, Spotify, uh, you know, Google has uh, YouTube Music now, Amazon Music from Amazon. Tidal's been that little kind of struggling music streaming services launched launched by Jay-Z and a number of other artists that I guess never really got up there. But now it's been announced that Square has bought them. And that was kind of an interesting move, don't you think, John? It's a strange move. Yeah, Square, for people that don't know, is... Typically, when you go to, say, a food truck or, uh, say, a craft fair or someplace where people have uh, stuff for sale, but they don't have maybe a full cash register, Square is that little uh, either tablet or a, just a little puck that they would have that lets you tap and swipe your cards to pay for things. And it's kind of like gets you around having to go through the banks or other services for that type of stuff. So it's kind of strange to see effectively a financial company buying into a music streaming service. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Uh, so Jack Dorsey, he's the um, uh, the CEO uh, or founder over at Square. He was also one of the founders of Twitter. You might have heard his name before. Uh, he has basically come out and said uh, that there's opportunities that lie at the intersection of these two companies. I don't know what those opportunities are, John. Uh, well, I think one of the reasons Tidal was set up in the first place was because some of the big artists that are sort of co-owners of Tidal, um, they they didn't like how the fee structures were set up for streaming services and those types of things. So essentially, they created their own, let's call it a union, if you will, of these superstar uh, artists and made their own service and also offered a very high quality audio streaming option. I mean, it is a premium streaming service. It, it is not inexpensive. Um, but Jack Dorsey's rationale was more around the lines of, this is an opportunity to shake up and disrupt the this artist economy, if you will, which is really what the intent of title was in the first place. And arguably, it's kind of what Square's mandate is, is they're, disru they're disrupting the uh, point of sale service systems that are in place by all the big banks and, and similar services like that. So, I guess it kind of makes sense that way. It's just kind of a strange thing to spend a lot of money on. Well, I, John, I'm just, I'm looking at Tidal and I applaud their efforts, but 
I, I wonder if that ship has sailed now. There is such huge competition in the music streaming space. You have to agree there. Like, first of yeah. all, you got Apple and Spotify that are dominating it. Google and Amazon are, are trying to play catch up there. And then you've got Tidal. And I, I know where they came from. They're trying to get better deals for their, their artists. But I think those artists have kind of figured out the other streaming services now. You know what I mean? Like they've been making their deals with them. And I just don't know where that leaves Tidal anymore. I mean, they said that they're going to have the higher quality audio, but all the streaming services are getting into that as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, you may be right. The ship may not have sailed, but it's certainly at the dock waiting to leave. <laughs> yeah, I think they're taking the gangplank away. <laughs> yeah, and they're heading to Vancouver or Vancouver Island right now. Exactly. Uh, another uh, interesting story, John, and this is something that I'm just wondering how it will happen. Uh, every year we like to go to the big Mobile World Congress over in Barcelona. We missed it uh, last year. Uh, we ended up going to Spain anyway, for better or for worse, because we already had booked uh, travel plans there just as a you know the the pandemic was breaking out but they are they're trying to run this or they say they're going to run this at the end of June this year and they're planning for 50,000 attendees i i am I'm, I'm optimistic that we might <laughs> this might be our one of our first trips post vaccination i'm going to put that out there but it's in June and i've looked at the vaccination schedule john and we're not we're not on that that roadmap <laughs> It's accelerated a little bit now. I I put you and me, we're going to be there end of April, early May, assuming there's no other big uh, roadblocks. So it's possible. Again, you know, it's like a chance of showers. It's a chance of traveling. Yeah. Um, But it's it's just interesting because not everyone's going to be in the same position as maybe North America, which seems to be improving on a day-to-day basis. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who's actually going to show up at this type of convention. Probably the European companies that would normally go, but a big point of this particular uh, conference was all of the Asian uh, companies that would bring a lot of the smartphone tech and show it off for the first time at this conference. So they will require a negative COVID-19 test result in order to access the venue. And you'll have to repeat that test every 72 hours. And they say rapid testing centers will be made available on site and organizers are considering using hotels for more of them as well. Do you think they'll get 50,000 people that can actually attend? I don't know. I mean, it's funny. Summer seems so far away, but (laughs) it sure does. (laughs) Um, you know, I, and again, I, I'm I'm wearing the optimistic hat. I, I think things will be better uh, in the next in the coming months. So it just you know the problem with these types of events these are there's a lot of moving parts and people need to plan well in advance and it's hard to plan when there's this big elephant in the room still. Let's uh, jump over to Netflix and the government of British Columbia. They are going to require that all digital services like Netflix to collect PST starting April 1st. This Yay. was supposed to go in effect back July 1st, 2020, but as you can imagine, that wouldn't have been a popular move at that point. Um, so they will have to collect, or companies will have to collect PST if their revenues are more than $10,000 annually. I think Netflix falls into that category. Yeah, they've made it. 
So uh, BC's joining other provinces, Saskatchewan and Quebec, that uh, already have these ta- tax measures in place. What do you think? Well, you know, on the one hand, as a consumer, I don't like paying tax. Yeah. But on the other hand, why would Netflix be treated any differently than my coffee at Starbucks? Um, it's still a service that I'm um, I'm purchasing, I'm consuming in my home or you know province, and uh, that's kind of how things work. We pay taxes on things that we use and and use and and purchase, so it, it makes sense. I, I don't like it, but it is what it is. Yeah, well, it's coming, and I'm sure it'll be hitting the other provinces, uh, especially as uh, more and more get uh, on board uh, with that. Uh, also in the news, uh, Sonos. They are one of the leaders in multi-room music speakers and systems. They have officially announced uh, a new speaker, uh, the Sonos Roam. This is, um, is the smallest Sonos speaker yet. It uh, ties in with their Sonos uh, music system when it's inside the house, but it also has uh, built-in Bluetooth, so you can take this with you to the park, the beach, your party, wherever you're going, when you can go to parties, and it'll go to Bluetooth mode automatically for you. So, uh, and we talked about this uh, off air, but how is this any different than any of the millions of portable Bluetooth speakers you can buy on Amazon, say? Like, I, I know you're, you're Mr. Sonos, you love the, the platform, and I get it because you're, you're pretty invested in that platform, but how is this any better than, you know, something I can get from any number of vendors that have a, an inexpensive and portable Bluetooth speaker? It's a good question, John. I, I think if you've got a Sono system in your house, you are the target market, hands down, yeah. for this. Uh, you know, is this a, uh, a gateway or an entry into the Sonos world for people that don't? I don't know. Uh, to your point, you can get uh, way cheaper speakers with, you know, just as good audio, audio quality, you know, from JBL or, you know, uh, UE Boom. That's another very popular one. Or Bose, they've got little portable speakers uh, too. But for me, as a Sonos owner, I'm like all over this. It's This thing is like waterproof. It's got a battery built into it. I can have this out in my backyard. It's got this neat feature that, uh, you know, if I bring it into my house and I want the music to keep going on my other Sonos speakers, I hit a button on it and it'll automatically find the closest one and continue the music there, which is kind of neat. It, it Apparently, this is an interesting technology. It lets out this high-pitched noise that humans and dogs can't hear. Um, but all the Sonos speakers and devices in the house let that out and that's how the the little portable speaker finds them okay so it has more than just yeah bluetooth in it like yeah. it, it, it's 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 a proper integration into your whole system with some added features beyond beyond that yeah so it works with apple's airplay 2 as well and this is great you know if you've got a turntable like uh, you know one of those portable ones this is be a great way to get music playing from it as well to you know an inexpensive speaker so you can be a hipster on your patio. Who doesn't want to be a hipster? We have a great contest, John. We talked a little bit about it uh, before the last break. This is uh, something from Tut Tut Training Systems. This is a fantastic prize. It's worth about, uh, is it $1,495? Yeah. And it's an all-in-one training system that is what I love about it is this will fit in a home, a condo. You can even travel with this uh, as well. It's a, a stand-up tower trainer and also a rower as well. 
It's going to tie in with a special app and have videos that you can follow along to exercise and train with. And we are giving one of these away on our website. Yeah, it can actually do about 250 different exercises beyond just being a rower and a, and a vertical resistance band system. I, I love the portability of this, John. Uh, I, we actually set this thing up and it's it's pretty cool. It was super easy to set up. You can either install this directly into a wall, like these little special pegs into a stud. Uh, and then the whole thing's removable if you want to take it with you. But it also, you know, you can get a clamp for it as well that will attach it to any door frame. Yeah, and that's what we had did just to see how strong it was. And you get two little clamps. You you literally dial them onto your door frame. It doesn't leave a mark or anything like that. And then you just click this thing into it, and then you can do your workout. I, I got to be honest. I was a little skeptical about the door frame clamp. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, if you're yep. going to be tugging on this thing uh, or rowing on it, I thought, there's no way. It's going to rip the door frame off. But it was rock solid. Yeah, it, it, it has some really clever engineering and sort of how they distribute the weight around. So yeah, our, our, our concerns were unfounded. Okay, so if you go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, there should be a banner up there or you can go to the newsletter tab to get information on how you can enter. This is a special contest as well. We've done something interesting here. You can actually earn additional entries as well for this. And you can get all the details up on the website. It'll tell you exactly what you need to do. And at the end of the show, I'm going to be telling you a secret word that can get you even more entries into this contest. So stay tuned for that. Okay, John, let's uh, talk about our electric cars and how much it's costing to keep them going. Well, I, the, the, the reason why I wanted us to talk about this because my car, and I believe yours does as well. I think most EVs do this. They give you like a, a monthly health check and it just tells you in the app what, you know, how things are going with your car. Is everything okay? It's just sort of like an automatic systems check. But I actually kind of missed it, I guess. But there's another tab on, at least in my app, that actually shows me some really interesting consumption data. And uh, I wanted to share that because I think this is something that people don't, maybe can't quite understand. Um so we have regenerative braking. So that means basically, depending on how you've configured your car, um, you can uh, regenerate energy uh, as your car is braking because it slows down the vehicle, uh, the motors, instead of actually using brakes. And that process generates new energy that gets put back into the battery. And, you know, I thought, okay, well, that's cool. But how much does that actually generate, you know? And uh, so last month, I drove just over a thousand kilometers in my car. And my total consumption was 2,124 kilowatt hours of energy. And what my regenerative brakes gave me back though, and this is the key thing, and I wasn't even maxing out the potential of these brakes. I got 867 kilowatt hours back just from using my regenerative braking. So I got almost half of my the energy that I put into my vehicle's battery back from braking. <laughs> like that blows my mind that, I, you know, and because I, I kind of have this little thing, I, I kind of gamify it a little bit. There's a couple of big hills that I tend to go down when I'm going to my fiance's or to your house or to the studio, whatever we're doing. And I always see like, how much can I coast down that hill? Yeah. And, and you know, some of these hills, like anyone that knows Vancouver, there's a big hill you go down boundary to the bottom of uh, Marine Drive or Marine Way. And I get almost four kilometers of power back just by coasting down that hill. And that that's just that's that's crazy. It's amazing. So, John, you got your hydro bill, 
yes. and that's uh, our, elect- our electric company here in, in British Columbia. Uh, did you get a sense of how much you were paying? Well, see, before, the problem I had before when I got my car is I ha- I'm on an average plan. So they take whatever my annual consumption is and they divide it by 12. And that's what my monthly payments are. Yeah. Then then in the spring, they sort of reevaluate that and they make adjustments. Um, I can't contribute this 100% to my vehicle because I don't also charge every day at home because sometimes I don't have to, or I'm at your house. When I'm at your house, I charge at your house. So you pay for it. Yeah. Um, but the, the, uh, the overall change in my annual consumption was around $150. Uh, and that's for the year. Not bad. And the only new thing that I have is my electric vehicle that I plug into my outside carport charger. Not bad. I downloaded an app uh, that ties in with my Tesla account. The app's called EV, E-E-V-E-E. And I put in how much BC Hydro charges per kilowatt hour. Uh, in February, I drove 1,680 kilometers, and I only spent $38 in electricity for that. Yeah, I remember reading a study a while ago that it was about uh, $250 a year was the average yeah. with a roughly about 25 bucks a month um, was, is sort of what you could expect to pay charging with a level one charger at home, which is basically just a wall outlet. Anyway, I'm loving it. I want to talk about uh, a phenomena that maybe some people have heard of but don't fully understand. You're seeing it in shortages, uh, though. Uh, we've seen it with some of these big launches like the Sony PlayStation 5, uh, also Apple's new phones, the shortages. Well, there's something called Chipageddon, and there is a big shortage in the chip market. To help us understand that, we've got a great guest uh, on the line. Her name is Melissa Chi. She's the president and CEO of Venture Lab. Thanks for joining us, Melissa. Thanks very much for having me, John and Mike. Appreciate being here. Just quickly, tell us what Venture Lab is all about. We've uh, we've supported you know thousands of companies, uh, created more than four thousand jobs, uh, and, and really you know we're about building to scale um, and and having these companies scale from Canada and go global. Uh, you recently just got uh, a bit of money from the Ontario government as well to help this. Um, actually, it was from the government of Canada. Oh, okay. Um, and so uh, through FedDev Ontario, um, the government of Canada uh, last week announced an additional uh, follow-on investment of $4.73 million, um, into our Hardware Catalyst Initiative. Um, and that's on top of a, a, a initial $5 million that we received in, in 2019. And really what that is, the Hardware Catalyst Initiative is Canada's first and only um, incubator and lab. It's a state, state-of-the-art lab focused on c- Canadian founders and global founders who want to scale semiconductor and hardware-related technologies. Okay, we're going to get back to why this is super important, but let's talk about chip again. Uh, There is a large chip shortage. We're seeing it across many different technologies. Uh, Video cards, for example, very difficult to get a hold of right now. And there's problems with uh, cars. Uh, Melissa, tell us why this is such a problem right now. The chip shortage could result in 1 million fewer cars built this year. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, when we look at what's happening, I like to see it as global demand. Um, and so certainly the media has couched it as, as uh, shortages, but I think there's really an opportunity in terms of um, scaling demand. Maybe I'll take a step back and just talk about what these chips are, right? These are really tiny devices that are the brains of every consumer electronics, as you said, from the mobile phones to the tablets that we're talking on to the gaming consoles. Um, These are the smarts of our electric vehicles, um, as you've said, and anything from our smart appliances, right? Washing machines and thermostats. I think 
you know, one of the things that people don't realize um, is that, you know, the compute power that's inside of these ships, you know, this is really a supply and demand um, challenge. And so, you know, the development of one of these chips can take many, many years. And the reason I'm, I'm starting there is, is so that, you know, your audience really understands that, you know, that power that's inside your iPhone or inside your tablet takes several years of development. And so that means this product life cycle is quite long. Uh, if you think about the, the auto life cycle, that's even longer. And so what that means is companies need to really place their orders for these chips well in advance. And so what happened at the beginning of COVID last year is there were different types of forecasts from automakers to consumer electronics. And, you know, what has been reported in the in the media, um, certainly, is that different companies had different forecasts based on demand um, or anticipated demand. And so semiconductor sector is a $7 trillion market, typically very cyclical. And so what we see is just a classic, very classic supply and demand um, crunch, um, but an opportunity, I think, that COVID really amplified some of these longer product cycles. Um, and, and so that's what we're seeing kind of play out in real time, um, affecting both businesses and, of course, consumers. Yeah, and this is a worldwide uh, issue right now. So let's talk about what is the opportunity for Canada and how is uh, Venture Lab helping with that? Yeah, you know, I really like the fact that you framed it as an opportunity. I think it's important and essential for Canada to be a leader here as part of a, a global supply chain. As I said, it's a $7 trillion market and we have the talent, the skills, the critical mass of companies to be able to do that way right, with this additional investment. I think what's in, uh, really exciting here is that because of Canada's uh, technical as well as manufacturing expertise, you know, we have this massive opportunity to really harness a national ecosystem around this, really leveraging, uh, you know, initiatives like like the Hardware Catalyst Initiative and others across the country to capitalize and catalyze this type of momentum and, and really meet, you know, creating a robust, resilient domestic supply chain for this electronics market, but also serving um, a global demand um, around the world in a lot of different sectors, right? Uh, you've mentioned some of them, whether it's auto and electric vehicles to consumer electronics to you know the you know where this started which was which was really before even before covid but the medical devices right those all use sensors they all use chips you know if you look at a um, an iphone there are you know hundreds of chips inside these tiny devices that you know uh, to the average canadian like myself you, you wouldn't even know by looking on on that screen right uh, but these are really what enables you know if you go through our daily lives really what enables a lot of the um, things that we take for granted frankly um, in, in everyday life so talking about these opportunities and, and there's so much that goes into making a chip uh, are we talking about like the design of new chips the manufacturing of them like physically making them here in Canada or, or both I'm gonna say both um, I'm a I'm a b big believer in, in team Canada and what we have to offer to the market you know we are through HCI seeing a new generation of founders um, who have always been here but really with a, a real resurrection of um, companies that are designing semiconductor and hardware-based technologies. And as I said, you know, the times to market are, are long. And so what HCI has been able to do is 
through the partnership with the uh, multi-million dollar investment with the government of Canada, we've attracted global partners like TSMC, Arm, IBM, Synopsys, who have basically contributed and matched multi-million dollars of capital tools and design and manufacturing expertise. And we've eliminated those um, boundaries and, and barriers for these Canadian founders. So what that means is they get to accelerate their time to market. They're investing those dollars that otherwise they would have been using to buy tools for design into Canadian and, and global talent to scale their companies to build uh, transformational products. I also believe because of our legacy um, in, in terms of manufacturing that we also have the ability and with the latest investment, we're actually onshoring some of that test capability and manufacturing capability by virtualizing assets of the lab um, to, to expand beyond the reach of just Ontario, but across Canada. I have to ask, Melissa, though, it's a very competitive market, and I'm going to throw the, the elephant in the room there, China. These these guys, they are like a, a behemoth. Like John and I have traveled over there. We visited some of these factories. Uh, I would say by far they're kind of the leader when it comes to manufacturing. Like how does Canada, that has like the population of one of their big cities, compete with s- someone so big as they are? I think it's about different sectors and and different types of products. And I think it's not a matter of uh, purely just cost competitiveness. It's about advanced manufacturing skills and advanced technical skills. And so I think, you know, when you look at a global supply chain, I think there are only a very few jurisdictions in the world where you have both the technical and the manufacturing expertise, and you named one of them, uh, China, but you have it in the U.S., in Israel, in the um, EU, and of course you have it in Canada. And when you look at kind of what has happened in the global landscape, you know, I think that Canada has a great opportunity, you know, where we look at, you know, focusing on a green economy and the role that we can play as a leader in, in that and in a net zero emissions economy that we have through electric vehicles and, and, and uh, the battery supply chain. These are areas where, you know, Canada's strength Um, from where you look at our natural resources all the way to a full OEM product as as a battery or an electric vehicle. This is where we have the technical and manufacturer capacity to really lead. Mike, I think um, it's interesting, Melissa, because COVID really showed us, and we, we touched on this a little earlier, how much we rely on other countries for a lot of our stuff. And also like, you know, just think of the, the recent vaccine uh, accessibility, if you will, because we don't make any in Canada. Um, right. Having chips made in Canada, designed by Canadians, that just seems like a win-win for us and make us more self-sufficient and not relying on these external partners. I mean, we're still going to work with them and we're still going to sell to them, but I think it, it makes it a much more robust community uh, within the country. Yeah, you know, it's about being part of this global supply chain, right? I think it's you've hit the nail on the head. You know, we have such capacity to really meet global uh, domestic demand, but then you can actually, you know, picking certain markets. So if you look at the sectors that we're strong in, right, agritech, clean energy, you know, um, health, you know, and the types of products that require chips in those sectors, those are both important domestically you know, even in a North American supply chain, but they're very important and there's global demand for those types of products, right? And I think when you look at things like an electric vehicle or you look at kind of the types of technologies that are using in in smart agriculture and precision farming, those are not just domestic markets, right? There's global demand for those types of products. And I think, 
you know, what I will say, and, and I'm a big believer, really, really big believer in Team Canada, that we have this opportunity to really own the podium on this, right? I think we need to really shore up and be proud of, we said this so many times before as Canadians, about the talent that we have here, the types of critical mass of companies that we have in this particular space, and the manufacturing, advanced manufacturing prowess that we really, you know, can compete and should compete globally. And it really is, I think, John, as you, as you just alluded to, other nations are already doing it. And so we need to do it too. It's not just a matter of global competitiveness anymore. It's a matter of national sovereignty to some degree, as well as just amping up our game um, in terms of where, you know, the types of technologies and the types of products that this country really can supply for the rest of the world. We're talking with Melissa Chi. She's the president and CEO of Venture Lab, a group of folks uh, trying to push Canada into the uh, the next level as far as uh, hardware and manufacturing and research and development of chips. Uh, that was a great pep talk and very insightful, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Go Canada. Mike and John here. Don't forget to enter our contest giving away a Tut Trainer. This is a, a training system that also has a built-in rowing machine. It is all kinds of awesome, worth 1500 bucks. Go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, and we'll tell you how you can even get additional entries there as well. And don't forget to listen to the end of the show where I tell you the secret word for additional ballots into the contest to increase your odds of winning. John, we're going into the mailbag. I love the mailbag. I love questions from uh, listeners and viewers. Uh, this one here is uh, an interesting one about TVs. Can I screen share from my iPad Air to the Sony Sony Brava TV? I've checked with Sony and Apple and have had no joy. The App Store lists several apps, but they have very poor reviews. Hate to try something and get myself in trouble. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting question. Some of the newer TVs, um, if you are in the Apple world, you'll want to make sure that it has uh, Apple AirPlay built into it or AirPlay 2. This will allow any of the iOS devices like your iPhone or your iPad to connect with the television. Um, I've tried hooking up iPads to Sony TVs in the past, and I haven't had a, a lot of luck. You, John? No, no, not without something else. I mean, generally, as smart TVs go, it's not the smartest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, I, I don't have a brand new one to compare that against. And we also don't know the age of, of the TV that this particular listener uh, was using. You know, that probably the cheapest way to make it happen, though, is to get like a Roku device. Yes. And pl plug that in because they now support AirPlay as well. So Roku make the little smart TV boxes and sticks. Uh, and yeah, to your point, John, there's a couple of ways. You can go Roku. You can buy an Apple TV, but that's expensive. That's like 150, 200 bucks. Uh, yeah. the, the little Roku sticks. Got to make sure you get the 4K one. If it's not a 4K version, it's not going to work. Uh, but you can get those like for 50 bucks and plug that into the, one of the HDMI ports and it works. The stream bar, uh, Roku stream bar also supports this too. Um, I was able to do that on, I have an ancient Samsung TV in my, in my bedroom that the stream bar is connected to and I can send anything from my iPhone to, to the TV. It's really handy. So sorry, I haven't got a more simple or, or elegant answer uh, there. But again, if you get one of those Roku sticks, it'll work on your Sony Brava TV. It'll work on any TV that you get in the future as well. And you can even take it with you. Next question. Uh, regarding the Ring doorbell with video, do you require a smartphone and data? Can you just use Wi-Fi? That, that is actually a great question. So Ring... It's owned by Amazon. They make one of the most popular video doorbells out there right now. And you can access the video from that doorbell 
uh, when someone rings it or whenever you want for that matter. Yes, you can use data on your smartphone, but it works just with Wi-Fi as well because you probably don't want to use data all the time for checking out your, your, your video doorbell. Yeah, I mean, the only time you want to use data is when you're not at home. Um, yeah, pretty pretty much. So, you know, if you're out and about, uh, you know, there are so many different uh, Wi-Fi hotspots out there now in coffee shops and Starbucks. Uh, and depending what uh, internet service provider you're with, whether that's like a TELUS, Rogers, or, or Shaw, they have a lot of Wi-Fi hotspots available for their customers as well. So it's pretty easy to be easy to be connected uh, to uh, to Wi-Fi. So fantastic question. Um, I, I hope that uh, helps you out. Don't forget to also visit our YouTube channel. Uh, it's uh, Get Connected Media or Get Connected TV. Just do a little search for that on YouTube. We have tons of great videos uh, up there. We're doing all sorts of uh, comparisons of the latest smartphones and the cameras. Uh, we just did a really great one comparing the uh, the new Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra against a Google Pixel phone. That's half the price. And uh, you can find out who took the best pictures. John, we let's also, talk. Sorry, well, I was just going to say, Mike, we, we also just did a really good one uh, where you compared the uh, Amazon Echo Show 10, the new one, yes. to the Google Nest Hub Max. Yes. If you've been thinking about getting one of those uh, digital assistants that have the screen, you can get the lowdown on that and decide which one's for you. Uh, John, let's talk about the uh, the contest one more time. We're giving away a touch trainer. This is a full exercise system. It's got a tower and a rowing machine built into it and very portable. Like this will fit in any home or condo, or you can even take this on vacation with you. It's that portable, which is kind of uh, a cool thing. But we're doing a little bit uh, different with this contest, John. There's ways to earn extra entries. And I'll tell you the secret word in, in a moment after you talk about some of the other ways. Yeah, I mean... Previously, whenever we have a giveaway, you just need to sign up and be subscribed to the newsletter. So if you're already subscribed, you're in the game, but you might want to visit anyways because it's pretty easy to add some additional chances to win simply by going through some of the steps that the the contest system will show you. So you just need to visit our YouTube channel, like Mike just mentioned. Uh, you know, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, log in and, and go to our page there. Same thing with Instagram and even Twitter. So any of those types of things you can do, you can actually get additional entries. And depending on the, um, the specific thing that you do, you can get up to 20 additional entries for doing some of these additional things. So that is going to greatly increase your chances of winning this fantastic fitness system. It, it is pretty amazing. We've set it up and we've tried it out. Uh, I'm excited to try the app with the, uh, the videos, kind of like Apple Fitness Plus. Uh, but, uh, you know, comes with the uh, the system as well. And again, getconnectedmedia.com. And before I go, the secret word for extra entries into the contest is presto. Don't forget to check out our sister show, The App Show. It's every Sunday across Canada and Saturday nights uh, in Toronto. Talk all about the latest apps and the mobile world as well. I want to thank John and Christina who helped put the show together. We will see you again next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Get Connected podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe, rate, and review us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or CuriousCast.ca. If you want to get in touch with us, you got to check out our website, GetConnectedMedia.com. We've always got great contests going there. You can drop us a line anytime. We'll see you again next time.